This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's time to set the table for all your Sunday action. Laying out all the best bets. It's the Sunday Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on the BetQL Network. Well, it comes down to this. It is Super Bowl weekend here on BetQL on Sunday Spread. Grant Paulson with me as always. Thanks to all of you who have been hanging out with us since September. It's pretty wild. We, we started this thing back in September, and now we have made it to the final show of the year. So thanks to everybody uh, that's been hanging out with us all year. We've had a ton of fun doing this, and, and this, is, this is the weekend that we all look forward to. And even if your team's not in it, I feel like come Sunday, everybody starts to get a little excited for it. Maybe you're in it for a few different reasons. Maybe – uh, you're someone that overall is just into the commercials. Maybe you're into the spread, which uh, we can we can get into the requirements of what is needed for, for Sunday spread. I mean, it is called the Sunday spread. I feel like we have to go through the Sunday spread. And we know Grant Paulson's got his, his specialty meatballs or whatever it is worked up for this game, I'm sure. Absolutely, yeah. We've been waiting, as you said. This is the grand finale. And, you know, it's bittersweet because it's your final football game for months. So you got to really soak every last drop out of this one. But... Yeah, this should be a national holiday. It essentially is. We should have school and work off on Mondays after the Super Bowl. I did see that in Cincinnati, they've already given kids yeah. the day off on Monday after the Super Bowl. And that'll be either to celebrate or to mourn one way or the other. But I think either way, it was the right decision. It's a good decision. And it's going to be a good football game. I mean, you got an underdog in Cincinnati that is kind of happy and lucky to be here. Uh, they are both good and lucky. You got a Rams team that's been pushing their chips to the middle of the table for two years, doing everything they can to get to the top of the mountain. And now they've got a chance to scale Everest here. So should be fascinating and a lot of fun. And I can't wait. Yeah, we got all kinds of prop bets to get to throughout this hour show here on BetQL. Some of the cross sport props, the exotic props, uh, you name it. And and we have to you know go with the ever popular coin toss prop bet as well. I, I don't know what, what side you lean on when it comes to that, but that's the very important question that has to be answered a little bit later on uh, in the show as well. You mentioned it, though, there, Grant, about kind of the the, the, the ripple effects potentially of each team winning. And, and I feel like what you pointed out about the all-in approach for the Rams is going to be really fascinating to see uh, if they win the Super Bowl, how many other teams maybe reevaluate how they've approached this. I, I do think to a certain extent it's been somewhat unique to L.A. in that, hey, you're in L.A., you're sharing a stadium with the Chargers, you moved there, what, in 2015, 2016, and you're in a town that has so many entertainment options, not just in the sports world with the Dodgers and the Lakers and Clippers and everything that comes with that. But in that city, you you got to be a winner, right? I mean, otherwise, it's very easy to go spend my money somewhere else. I think in that particular city, the all-in approach, not just because it's football, but in general, was clearly the right approach for that organization. And if I'm a Chargers fan, if I'm the Chargers organization, 
I, I'm rooting for Cincinnati to win this thing uh, on Sunday because I think this is a massive advantage already for the for the Rams in their own city uh, to really get a stranglehold that I think they already probably kind of had even when they first moved out there. Yeah, totally. And I, I think strategically that's probably why they did what they did. But it doesn't mean that you can't learn from it from an organizational building standpoint if you're in another city where maybe there isn't the same urgency because you're the only show in town. You know, in these small markets like Buffalo or Green Bay, where it almost feels like a high school football in West Texas kind of Friday night feel where everyone puts their signs in the window and goes to the game, which is awesome. Like one of my favorite places in the world to go see a football game is Buffalo. And I had my best experience at an NFL game this year at Lambeau Field in Green Bay. You can't beat that. You're not going to get that in Los Angeles. But we have for a while pretended like free agency was evil. We have for a while pretended like trading draft picks for seasoned aging veterans who are at the end of Hall of Fame runs is a terrible idea. And it never has been a terrible idea. It depends on who the player is and who the fit is and who your coach is and what your goal is. But look, people are going to make this a referendum, whatever the result is on the Rams. Did they do the right thing? Did they do the wrong thing? Here's what I know. Compare what they've done in the last five years to everyone else in the league. They've won 11, 13, 9, 10, and 12 games. Once, they haven't won double-digit games. Twice, they haven't won 11 or more games. They have been in two Super Bowls. This has worked. You should absolutely be more aggressive. You should absolutely try to upgrade. If you have a pretty good quarterback, go get a great one. If you have a defense you like, go get the best corner in the NFL. Go get a pass rusher on his way to Canton. So this is already a win for me in terms of roster building, but the justifications they have the staff for trade, some of the other things they've done, maybe it does take winning against the Bengals on Super Sunday, but you're right. This was about L.A. This was about owning a city. They're going to pay for it at some point. They're sure. going to lose for four or five seasons uh, badly, I'm sure. So that's why you got to cash in while the getting is good here and try to get your Lombardi to make it all worth it. And then on the flip side, it's Cincinnati, where uh, to me, that that's the opposite approach they should be taking, right? Because they've got, of course, a rookie quarterback on a rookie contract. We know the there's no greater advantage in the NFL than that, a, a talented top-tier quarterback on a rookie contract. We've seen that time and time again. And Joe Burrow, of course, falls in that category. They got that young core of, of players and T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon, as we've discussed over the last couple of weeks through this playoff run and the role that all of them have, have been in. Their, their spot and the, the impact of them winning is fan, fascinating, right? Because you have the, the individual impact, which is Joe Burrow and the underdog, but then suddenly if he wins the Super Bowl uh, on Sunday, then he's right there and being discussed with Patrick Mahomes. I've already seen it happen in the last week or so. Now, I'm a little biased. I'm in Kansas City. Um, I think that is not true. I think it's not accurate, but I understand the conversation because the hardware will match and nobody's done in a three-year span what Joe Burrow would have done, which is, of course, go and win a national championship like he did at LSU. And then two years later, go and maybe win a Super Bowl. I mean, it's ridiculous what he's been able to potentially accomplish. Um, but that, that'll be like, we know that's the narrative, right? We know that'll be the conversation that Joe Burrow, is he the best quarterback in football? Uh, I disagree with it, but that'll be the conversation. And also, when it comes to Cincinnati, are they are they the team that has a chance to be uh, the dynasty of the decade? Everybody thought it was going to be Kansas City. We usually have a dynasty per decade. Right now, I don't think we're going to based off of the crop of quarterbacks in the AFC and how competitive it's going to be. 
Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that will be part of whatever is talked about. I think that that's insanity, to be honest with you, kind of across the board. Like the idea that we're going to start talking about a potential dynasty after one Super Bowl appearance is oh, crazy nuts. talk. I, I'm with you. It, it's ridiculous. I mean, the, the Bengals have had an unbelievable year, and they deserve to be here. But they have been on a magical carpet ride. I mean, this is more, wow, look at all the things that fell into place than it is, look at how good this team's going to be for so long. They have an immensely flawed operation in some ways. They gave up more sacks this year than any team in the NFL. There has never been a team that got to the Super Bowl doing that. There will probably not be a team that gets to the Super Bowl doing that for many years to come. So you have to go address your offensive line immediately. Yes, Joe Burrow is terrific, and he's become probably a top 10 quarterback in the league. But to, to compare him or say he's Patrick Mahomes after this one run, I mean, these are all just signs of recency effect, of the sure. desperation for the national media to create these narratives. They're, they're not real things. And that's not to be dismissive of the Bengals, but they allowed nine sacks in a game against the Titans. If Ryan Tannehill didn't stink to join up, they wouldn't have won that game. They would have been one and done. If Patrick Mahomes didn't lay a complete egg and have the most baffling, confounding, ridiculously terrible half of football he's ever had, just a brain fart one after another where he's running around like a kid with a Madden controller with Michael Vick. I mean, he stunk. He was so bad in the second half of that game. I don't know why it happened, and I give the Bengals some credit. But here's the takeaway for Cincinnati. Yes, if you can get Joe Burrow, who is a unique dude, there aren't many of him, you got a chance to go worst to first. You got a chance to go two wins to the Super Bowl in two years. Good luck finding that guy. But remember, they also got aggressive. They had a terrible defense, and they said, let's throw money at a problem. So they go get Trey Hendrickson, jackpot. They go get Larry Ogunjobi, good player. They go get a woozy in their secondary. It's been awesome. I mean, they brought in four or five, six key pieces on defense to go with Joe Burrow. And no one's talking about that because all we do is talk about quarterbacks in this country. But the defense has been really good. And it was Rams-like. It was a free agency spending spree that fixed that defense. So I think there's a takeaway there as well, which is this idea that everything has to be done in the draft and everything has to be done in a crock pot rather than a microwave is not correct. You can do this quickly if you get aggressive with the right characters around a franchise QB. Yeah, you said crockpot, and, and I started already thinking again about all the food we're going to have for, for Super Bowl and everything I'll like that. I'll use a couple food analogies, I think. <laughs> yeah, a please, please work those in. Uh, before we, we, we take a look at the, the spread here, and, it, and it's been four, four and a half, before we get to that, the last point, I, I think that storyline, I know you have perspective on this, uh, being in D.C., where, of course, Sean McVay spent some time uh, looking at him, I, I think, you know, whether you think it's fair or not, if he loses um, and if there are obvious blunders in this game, um, it's going to be very difficult for a while for some of the narrative to shift for Sean McVay and back in, in what I view as a, a positive way. What I mean by that is we, he, he looked kind of lost the first go around in the Super Bowl. And if this go around, he loses to his disciple, right, in uh, Zach Taylor, and I'm not saying just flat out losing, but if there's clearly some some mistakes, that's that's going to be a big problem for Sean McVay in terms of narrative uh, and and some of the legacy around him. Look, I think he's a very good head coach, um, but if twice in a Super Bowl he loses and there's blunders again, it, it's it's going to be fair to look at him and say is at that point in time have have people overinflated him a little bit? I don't think that's the case because also I believe the Rams are going to win this game. 
But I think that'll be part of the story coming out of it if they lose. Yes, it will. Absolutely. Um, he's 55 and 26 as a head coach. He's won 68% of the games he's coached. He's 36 years old. He's been in the Super Bowl two times. He's already got a tree with branches that are coaching in Super Bowls as a 36-year-old. If I was a lawyer, I would say case closed. Uh, <laughs> but, but again, we are what, what you're saying what people are going to be talking about. And that is true. And I'll play along and say, I agree. That is going to be a storyline. People talk about dumb things. You know, like TV shows like First Take exist and, and the topics are ridiculous. So the topic will be, can Sean McVay win the big one? When the sample size is two games and eight quarters and it'll have been two weird things. Like you could go back to the New England game, find moments where they should have done something. Yeah, that was a terrible offensive performance. He had a quarterback that wasn't very good in Jared Goff that he kind of willed there, in my opinion. Uh, I think they're going to win this football game. If they lose, you're right. That'll be the knock on Sean McVay. But again, in five years, they would have won 12, 10, 9, 13, and 11 games. He'll be 36, and he'll have done more as a head coach than most head coaches in their 60s have ever done. So I kind of think it's game, set, match already for him. But if we're talking about what is the national media going to be saying if they lose, you're absolutely right. One of the stories, one of the columns is going to be that Sean McVay can't win the Super Bowl. All right, Rams minus four. It's fluctuated really the last week and a half or so. I mean, it got it was three and a half uh, in a few spots. They tested it there even for 24 hours at a couple books. At FanDuel right now, it's at, at four. It's been four and a half. Looking at this game, now that it's actually arrived, and we talked about it a little bit last week, and it, you and I both are in agreement that the Rams win. Does the four and four and a half switch your thinking at all? Because my, my issue with Cincinnati is something you you hit on a few minutes ago, which is it sure feels like – they're a team that has gone on this great storybook ride, and it, it's been awesome uh, to, to watch, right? It's an underdog story. Um, do you believe that that can continue? Now, I've counted them out all season long, in fairness, and I've, I've lost some money uh, going against Cincinnati, clearly. Certainly didn't see them winning a few weeks ago against Kansas City in the AFC title game. Um, but the Rams, other than kicker, are better everywhere, as far as I'm concerned. Better everywhere. And I think the head coaching advantage is certainly on the Rams side as well. I just don't want to overthink this one. Sometimes I, I feel like that can be done, and I, I gladly have bets in on the Rams minus four. I actually was able to get them at three and a half last week as well. So Joe Burrow is the great equalizer here. And as a better, I know that you should never say, well, it's unexplainable numbers-wise, but they got the Burrow effect. So I'm not going to do that. But I think if you're taking the Bengals, if you're on Cincy's side here, your argument is almost certainly, well, they got Joe Burrow. I mean, I, I, what, I saw a stat that was just crazy. I think it's six games this year where they are a dog of four points or more. They're not only 6-0 and oh against the spread, they're 6-0 and oh straight up in those games. They've won the yeah, ball. Three point three, yeah, dog of three points or more. It's ridiculous that's Joe Burrow uh, being kind of a dude, to be honest with you. Like, he doesn't care. Uh, he's honey badger, man. He doesn't give a bleep, and he's just going to put his uh, cigar in his mouth. I say all that to say I'm with you. The Rams are better, I think, universally, position by position, and I am rolling with the Rams. Now, I don't like the line at all. Um, I'm not comfortable against the spread. In fact, 
I probably will play other things in this game. But if you're going to hold my feet to the fire and say, you got to pick a side, I would roll with L.A. covering before I would Cincinnati in points because I, I am picking a 27-20 type game for the Rams. But I do not feel great about that four, and I think they win, but I think it could be by a field goal. Yeah, coming up on the other side, I want to look at the total for this game as well. It's interesting that's the score that you threw out there. Uh, you said with 47 points total. Well, the total is set at 48 and a half. I, I want to get your opinion on how you see this game starting because I think that's going to play a crucial role in everything for this one. And coming up next here on the Sunday spread, that's exactly what we're going to get into. We'll get some props as well. It's a Super Bowl edition here on BetQL. Every Sunday morning, start your day off with FanDuel Game Day from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern with Jeremy Kahn and Chris Mack. Available on BetQL and the Odyssey app and streaming live on Twitch.tv. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Sunday Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on BetQL. We'll get to those exotic props here uh, in just a little bit. Uh, I want to continue, though, our, our conversation we were having before the break, Grant, uh, about not just the, the spread here, the Rams minus four for the big game against Cincinnati, but the total. You, you put out a score there, and I think it's interesting because your score added up to 47. We know the total's been pretty steady. Out of everything that's moved in the last week and a half, 48 and a half is really where this thing has been for the most part. Uh, and certainly that's where it's at right now over at FanDuel. I like the under in this game. And, and your score certainly fits the under there as well. Because I, I, I look at both of these teams and, well, Sean McVay's been in the Super Bowl before. So you could argue, all right, the, the stage not going to be too big for him. He's going to be, he's going to do what he wants to do right out of the gate. I just wonder if Zach Taylor, who is very conservative to begin with, even in the win against Kansas City, was very conservative in their approach. I could see this being, like, at the end of the first quarter, I could see it being 3 nothing. I can see it being very low scoring in the first quarter, maybe a slower first half that puts you in a good spot uh, to get the under. I, I definitely like the under 48 and a half in this game. How do you see the, the start of it playing out, and do you, do you buy into that uh, playing a significant role uh, in this being your 27-20 score? I do. I think it'll be a sweat. You know, I think it's going to be tight. I don't 
love the under in the sense that I think this is going to be like a super low scoring game. Having said that, I do think we get under 48 in the hook and, and kind of my path to that in terms of game script would be, I think the Bengals are going to do what they can for lack of a better term to take the air out of the ball a little bit. I think they want to run Joe Mixon. Uh, they shouldn't necessarily feel that way because they've gotten better this year as they've gone away from that and kind of open things up for Joe Burrow. I don't know that in this game they have a choice, though. If they drop back and try to throw it 40-plus times and find Jamar Chase down the field, five- and seven-step drop the Rams, Joe Burrow is going to get eviscerated. Their line is bad, and the Rams' defensive front is really good. And I've made the case on this show, while I'm a big Burrow guy, as everybody else is, it is not his strength to help his offensive line. He's not there yet in his development. It's an area where he still really struggles. An immensely high percentage of pressures turn into sacks. You're talking about one of the worst quarterbacks in the league when it comes to helping get the ball out against pressure. Now, when he does, he's fantastic. He had the highest quarterback rating in the league against pressure. But about 26% of the time, when pressured, he gets sacked. Uh, that's right there with rookies like Justin Fields and Zach Wilson and guys who can't move anymore like Ben Roethlisberger this year. So point being, I think you're going to see them run the ball more than they have in, in the last few weeks. I also think they're going to try to, to use their passing game as their running game. A lot of short passes. You're going to notice I go heavy overs with some of their backs out of the backfield and receiving yards. I think the screen game is going to have to be important. I think there's going to be natural check downs and natural called plays to the running back. So for all those reasons, I think you're talking about kind of a ball-controlled, less explosive offense. I don't see the Bengals hanging mid-20s. I think they are in the teens, you know, somewhere like 17 to 20 points, which is why I've got the Rams covering in this game, because I think they'll be in the mid-20s. But Sean McVay has had the propensity, if you look at it, dating back to when I covered him day in and day out here in Washington as an offensive assistant, as a play caller, as a coordinator, He's not necessarily a guy who's going to keep pouring it on, taking shots. Like He will get a little bit more conservative to protect his lead, and I could see the Rams start to go heavy volume of run if they're up seven or eight in the second half and really be more balanced after they throw to set up the run and try to bang with the Bengals up front. So that's kind of why I see this thing being in that 24-17, 27-20 kind of range. Yeah, tw- twenty-one set. Yeah, twenty-one seventeen is kind of where mine's, my mind has been at for the last week or so for score of this game and in favor of the Rams, and that's why it's significant if you got it at four, four and a half, or three and a half. If that's kind of where where the thought process is as well. You mentioned uh, the running backs and and some of the prop bets and the receivers and, and maybe total receptions as well. I, w- I want to start uh, with with the Rams though here, if we could a little bit and take a look at some of their prop bets and, and what stands out to you. And starting with Matthew Stafford, of course, the quarterback, his passing yards set at 281 and a half. That number is interesting to me because what, what you just said a second ago about, you know, if they are able to to get a lead, do they try to kind of lay off the gas a little bit? And now that Daryl Henderson was activated off of, of the injury list there. So now you've got Michelle Akers and Daryl Henderson so I, I actually like the under on Matthew Stafford's passing yard total in this game, which you can, I believe, in some spots still get that at plus money, just barely or even money. Um, as as you expect, the, the over has been the popular play here when it comes to Stafford's yardage total. But the, the Daryl Henderson factor I actually do think matters. I'm not saying he's going to run for 80 yards or anything, but three backs are all available. 
And we know what Daryl Henderson was was doing, what their plan was with him before he suffered his injury. And we've all seen Cam Akers since he's come back from his injury as well. And Sony Michelle, to me, will get some goal line looks as well. So I, I think the rushing attack for the Rams uh, could eat at that that total of passing yards there for Matthew Stafford. Very possible. I don't know that he'll have nearly as big a role. You're totally right about what he was before he got hurt. I mean, he was kind of a bell cow, right? And it wouldn't surprise me if there were like four weeks left in the season, if he would have taken over and become the guy, to be completely honest with you. I love how Cam Akers is running the football, though, and my guess is so does Sean McVay. I mean, he was, remember, when he got healthy, not this year, but last year, at the end of the season, he completely took over in the backfield. And I, I think Sean McVay, if he has his druthers, yeah, if they run it enough, you could have a, a, a you know round table where everyone gets to have a bite at the snack. But I think for the most part, he wants to just feed Cam Akers at this point. Um, but having See, said that, scares, that scares me a little bit on the Cam Akers now because I've I've been all over the overs for Cam Akers and, and, and enjoyed watching him here the last couple of weeks. His total is at at 64 and a half. It does scare me a little bit because I, I do think Michelle, we know, will be involved in. You're, you're right. You make a good point about Daryl Henderson. Like, how much is he going to be involved because he's missed and he hasn't been part of the NFC title game or the NFC divisional round games or anything like that? I just want, like, is it just enough to to prevent Cam Akers against that that Cincinnati defense who actually hasn't been great against the run? But is, is that something that could actually hurt Cam Akers total now that there's three backs involved? Yeah, I think he Henderson probably gets a couple touches. You know, hey, welcome back. Thanks for grinding. You know, <laughs> see see what kind of legs you have if yeah. you're fresher than anybody else. But I think whatever you would have picked Akers to do before this, you should probably pick him to do after. And I'm going to zig where you zag. I'm going to go opposite you on, on Stafford, who's gone well over three bills in both of these last two playoff games and in three of his last five. I think they throw to set up the run. I think they try to make some explosives. And remember, the Bengals secondary. And I shouldn't point just at the secondary, but their pass defense in general has not been good this year. Uh, they give up big plays in chunks. And I think there's going to be, a, you know, a 30-yard Odell Beckham catch and run at some point. There's going to be, you know, nine for 102 for Cooper Cup or something like that. So I got Stafford over that number. I think he's in the 290s or low 300s. And uh, I feel pretty good about that after watching them the last couple of games. I want to stick with Stafford here, and, and, and there's been a lot of conversation, something we got into uh, when I was filling in on You Better You Bet, countdown to kickoff last Sunday. It's Matthew Stafford, and it's his rushing yard total, which I think is really interesting for this game. So his rushing yard total, let me make sure I give you the, the latest number. I, I believe it's six and a half at the last check for rushing yards for five and Matthew a half. On five and a half. Right yeah, five and a half. And if you look at Cincinnati, opposing quarterbacks, seven straight games, 10-plus yards they've been given up to opposing quarterbacks. And you say, okay, well, who are the quarterbacks? And we know last week it was Patrick Mahomes, who had shown he can he can run, obviously. Before that, though, is Ryan Tannehill in the playoffs. And the week before that, it was Derek Carr. And this goes back four-plus weeks after that, as a matter of fact. So I think this is a play, uh, if you're looking at rushing yards for Matthew Stafford, um, especially we've seen them use QB sneak a couple times where he's picked up two, two yards here every once in a while. And so I like the over five-and-a-half. Um, there's a little juice on it, uh, though, just so keep that in mind if you're someone that's looking at that. I, it's not it's not even money. It's not minus 110. I believe it's 125. So, uh, But I like the over. Yeah, I hadn't even considered that play. The trend makes that interesting to me uh, that you bring to the table. As a general rule, I would never take Matthew Stafford <laughs> over yeah, in rushing yeah, yeah. yards. So I might lean toward the under, but 
when you get to seven straight games, it means schematically, you know, as far as a game plan or defensively, what you're doing is allowing for that. And anytime you can get a number that low, to be honest with you. That's the like, thing, man. When we get into the Bengals in a second, I'll bring this up. But like Samaj P. Ryan's rushing total is three and a half. You need one carry for five yards, right? I mean, that that's basically what we're talking about. Yes. When you get to a number that low, it's it's hard not to pay attention to it. So I don't hate that at all. You're talking about a scramble. And if, if this game is close, like I love rushing props for quarterbacks when games are tight or when, you know, if the Rams get the ball with a minute 27 to go in the half or a minute 40 to go in the game, now all of a sudden quarterbacks are in make a play mode. Right. And, and rushing all of a sudden becomes a lot more a part of their plan. I like Grant- Burrow at 11 and a half a lot for the record. Yeah, no, I I, I get it. Like, to your, what you were just saying about late in the half. Also, we saw Cincinnati a couple weeks ago. They're willing to drop back eight. Right. They're, they're willing to have Hubbard, their defensive end, drop back even more in, in coverage. Well, that potentially creates an opportunity as well for for Stafford. And I feel like there will be a chance where it's a, it's a fourth and one. And despite what they have at the running backs, they will they, there will be multiple QB sneaks from Matthew Stafford in this game. And so I, I think there's some chances where you can pick up two or three yards, even on plays like that, to get me over. So I, I like that as well. You mentioned Cincinnati. Let's go through some of those props that stand out to you. I, I'm assuming P. Ryan's a big part of your play, uh, it sounds like, for Sunday. Yeah, and in general, the backs are a big part of my play. But I, I start with the receiving props. So... I think that my number one play in this game of anything is Joe Mixon over 24 and a half receiving yards. Uh, I'll be shocked if he doesn't hit that. I think he could hit it pretty early, frankly. In fact, his first snap against the Titans of these playoffs, uh, he went for over that many yards on a little dump down screen down the sideline. Uh, I think he hits that number. He has lived over that number lately. And again, you're talking about a line that can't hold up against the Rams front. I think the the design for Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan has to be five or six design screens and then whatever else Joe Burrow ends up doing, just get into his safety valve because nothing's open and the pressure's coming. So I think a combination between the two, I'm going to take a parlay on both of those backs if I can get it at FanDuel to go over their number. Uh, The Joe Mixon, 24 and a half, Samaj P. Ryan, 10 and a half. I think both of them hit that. I kind of like that, and I think they've, they'll combine for something like eight, maybe nine catches for close to 70 yards or something like that. In the next segment, we'll go through some of those weekly specials uh, for Super Bowl Sunday that are over on FanDuel, and, and there's you know there's combinations like what you just mentioned there that I think are, are very intriguing. You can combo Cooper Cup's rushing yard, or receiving yards uh, with Joe Mixon rushing yards, for example, and so we'll get to some of those in a little bit as well. I actually like on the receiving end for Cincinnati since we're there. I like Tyler Boyd a lot in this game. We know Jamar Chase clearly is the best wide receiver there, no doubt. But I like Tyler Boyd, depending on how the Rams approach with Jalen Ramsey. We had Brian Baldinger uh, on BetQL last week, and we asked him, like, what do you do if you're the Rams against Jamar Chase? Uh, Is Jalen Ramsey going to to shadow him throughout the entire game? And and Baldy didn't think so. He thinks that that'll be a situation that they rotate over, and maybe in the red zone is where you see Jalen Ramsey matched up with Jamar Chase, which makes a lot of sense. And and absolutely, I, I can see that playing. being the case I think Tyler Boyd though is going to have opportunities in this game with some of the attention at times that Jamar Chase of course is going to get his his number for receiving is at 39 and a half over at FanDuel I like the over 39 and a half yards for Tyler Boyd with the attention that uh, that Higgins and Chase get it looks like Uzama has a chance to play after being carted off in the AFC title game Um, but I, I think there's opportunities there for Tyler Boyd 
Yeah, I would like him a lot more if Uzama wasn't going to play. I think that could dampen his chances, frankly, at having a big game. If you look at the recent trend for Boyd, it has not been good to that over. Uh, really, it's been five games since he hit that, I believe. He's gone four for 36, four for 26, two for 17, four for 19. I understand the logic, but what they've done is they've just been able to get the ball to chase anyway. I mean, everybody knew he was going to get the ball a la Cooper Cup, and he still gets his numbers. And then Higgins is their big play threat. I certainly see why you like Boyd there, uh, but it just hadn't happened the last few weeks. I was heavy on that until I saw that Uzama was going to go because I think they do similar things in this offense. Uh, and, and I'll say this, if Uzama plays, and you know we see in the first quarter he's not himself or he's back out of the game, now I like the side you're on a lot. But if he gives you four quarters and he's in that huddle routinely, then I think just getting enough footballs to get there could be tough for Tyler Boyd. Yeah, this is also why it's unfortunate. Like, I, I can't do any Uzama prop, though, because I'm still concerned what he's going to look like off the injury. You know, like, right. we know Tyler Higby was a late scratch and surprised uh, the tight end for the Rams on the IR uh, and how that maybe impacts some, some prop bets for those of you that have that out there. But Uzama is someone that throughout the season – that I really liked. It was actually pretty successful throughout the year on hitting some overs for me uh, as we gave him on, on this show. But this is a game where I don't I don't trust him just because this guy got carted off. It looked like his season was over in the AFC title game. He was crying. He thought it was done. Uh, so I, I stay away from any Uzama props. But yeah, I, I, I think uh, the only other one real quick uh, that I would say before we get into some exotic props on the other side is uh, Joe Mixon, uh, you, you mentioned his overall rushing numbers and, and receiving yards. I also like on anytime touchdown, Joe Mixon in a big, big way in this game. Love that. Anytime touchdowns become one of my favorite things to bet right? now because you kind of get a vibe for who teams target in the red zone a little bit better than maybe how games are going to play out. And you're right. They get inside the three-yard line. It's Joe Mixon time. They'll probably run it two or three straight plays. On the Rams side, Cooper Cup has gotten a touchdown almost every week for a couple months. I think at some point the market catches up to us here. I'm avoiding Cooper Cup. I might go Odell Beckham Jr. anytime touchdown if I'm looking for a passing touchdown for Stafford. Yeah, Cup minus 210, so it's awfully difficult Not to put some, money, put some money there. I'm with you. All right, exotic prop bets. We get to all of that and the Sunday spread, literally the spread next. Get the table set for all your pro football wagering needs. You're listening to the Sunday spread on the BetQL Network with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold. Welcome back to the Sunday spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on BetQL. Welcome back in. Super Bowl edition here of the Sunday spread. Talking all things big game. We've taken a look at the side. We'll have our favorite bet for the entire game coming up before we leave you also we got to get into a little food conversation here and i feel like uh, i feel like both grant and i are well prepared for this i've got i'm very excited about the pre-ordering of the food i think that's key for the weekend you can't wait last minute it's been taken care of since thursday or friday so i'll, I'll let you know what the spread's looking like we'll get grant's opinion on that uh, as well but the super bowl mvp always one of the more popular bets for the weekend understandably so and to me it's all about value here so let me just lay it out over at FanDuel where we're at Matthew Stafford plus 125, Joe Burrow plus 230, Cooper Cup plus 550, Aaron Donald's 14 to 1, Jamar Chase 25 to 1, Beckham 27 to 1. The Aaron Donald one's interesting. He was 50 to 1 when this opened up, what, a week and a half or so, two weeks ago. 50 to 1, you can clearly tell it has been bet all the way down to 14 to 1. 
if there's a defensive player in this game that's capable of overshadowing the quarterbacks or the wide receivers, of course, that player is Aaron Donald. Value-wise, I don't hate it at all, especially if you got it at 50-1, to my goodness. At 14-1, to I still would sprinkle a little something here. I think the Rams win the game. We're going to have the MVP come from the winning team. I think it's only happened one time or something where it hasn't. That's not that's not any concern here. It's going to come from whoever wins, and I think the Rams win this game. Where, where do you look value-wise? Because we can all acknowledge, yes, Stafford and Burrow have the best chance to be the MVP. But value-wise, what stands out for you? Donald, because it's the, the MVP is often about storylines, right? I mean, this is determined – by human beings. This is one of the great players of his era. This is a future Hall of Famer. This is, you know, an eight-time All-Pro and a perennial Pro Bowler and a guy who's been the DPOY several times, and he's going to Canton, and he's kind of missing one thing on the ledger, and that's the Super Bowl, not to mention the matchup. You know, if they're going up against one of the great offensive lines in the league, okay, maybe he doesn't have a huge game, or maybe he's quiet. Like, 49ers have his number as an example. If you look this season – it is pressures against them. It's it's way different than every other game. So if somehow, you know, they're playing at San Francisco or something and, and we're picking an MVP of the NFC Championship game, I don't like it as much. The Bengals have a bad offensive line, and frankly, they have a bad interior of their offensive line. So it just makes intuitive sense that he's going to make some game-wrecking plays. If you told me right now he's going to have two and a half sacks and four pressures, I would not be shocked by that at all. If he does that and they win in a game where Stafford throws for 246 – you know, and, and Cooper Cup's held the 65 yards and the Rams leading rusher has 79 yards or something and nobody stands out on the box score, there's your path. Now, if he's 3-1, to 2-1, to one, something like that, okay, that, that's not great. At 14-1, to one, that's a slam dunk. So I'm going to bet on Aaron Donald as the MVP. Now, it makes a lot more sense that it's just going to be Matthew Stafford, and I always think that's a an easy enough way when you're getting plus odds on a quarterback of a team that you think – pretty comfortably is going to win to try to make a couple bucks. So I'll play that as well. But if you're looking for value, it's Donald. If you want someone way deeper down the board, I'd be curious about like Cam Akers, you know, what kind of value you could get on him because there's a path. To one. Yeah. There, there's a value to, uh, there's a path I should say to like a 145 yards and two touchdowns for a back in this game as well. So that, that might be worth like a, you know, a $5 bet or something like that. If you wanted to just sprinkle something. Yeah, if you believe like a James White type of Super Bowl performance, something like that from from Cam Akers. The only other one that stands out is Beckham. I was talking to our, 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 our producer uh, and the guys over in Chicago as well earlier about Odell Beckham Jr. at 27 to 1. I mean, that's much like on the same lines of your Cam Akers thought as far as a, a kind of a true long shot here. The tricky part with wide receivers, as we know, is going to be, okay, did he uh, have the game-winning touchdown that was a 10-yard pass and he took it 70? And that's how he becomes MVP because otherwise, if it's like a buck twenty and he has two touchdowns, but Stafford throws for three fifty and four touchdowns, well, Stafford's the MVP, not Odell Beckham Jr. So it takes to me like a game-winning touchdown from Beckham, where it was, hey, that was all Odell Beckham Jr. Agreed. I also think there's something to this for someone non-quarterback to get it. Like there has to almost be a, a fun story to it. Either you emerged from obscurity, like you came out of nowhere, no one thought you were going to be a big part of the game. You mentioned like a James White or something along the lines of basically uh, Cam Akers, right? You, you came back from this crazy injury. Aaron Donald, you're a Hall of Famer who's missing one thing. Like th there is a narrative element of this if you're not a quarterback, generally speaking. Uh, I think it's going to be really hard to supplant Stafford because of his own 
story. But those are some of the guys who I think have at least a path to do it. Otherwise, you know, you better pick off three passes. You better have five sacks. You know, you better go for 200 yards receiving. Like something that just doesn't happen to get yourself into the conversation. Okay, let's look at some more ridiculous kind of exotic prop bets that are out there. This is what the Super Bowl uh, has been known for. A lot of these, uh, I'll note, are only available offshore. So just keep that in mind. That's unfortunately how some of these do work. But uh, I just want to run through a couple and get your perspective. Uh, This one is heavy juice, but we know Drake has three houses in L.A. I don't know if you knew that, Grant. I'm sure you're all up on Drake. So I'm sure you know three houses in L.A. We know he's best buddies uh, with Donnell Beckham Jr. Uh, The Drake curse. What team's jersey will he wear? Minus 220, the Rams, plus 165, the Bengals. This, I, I understand it's heavy juice, but this is a guarantee. This is guaranteed. Minus 220, but it's guaranteed. Drake, if he's wearing any jersey, he's wearing a Rams jersey, and it's probably an Odell Beckham Jr. jersey. It's got to be. I would think that's easy money. I want to ask more about this three-house situation. Why does he have three houses in the same city? Why not? It's LA. You're rich. Why not? You know, you, you want to, you know, you get bored, Grant. You know, you go home, you come out, you come back from being out of town. You're like, you know what? That one's a little closer to the airport. You know what? This one has the better view. Oh, summertime. That one's got the better pool. And, the, you know, it's LA, but it's still a little chillier tonight. So maybe I go to the place that's got the nice hot tub. I don't know, Grant. Three houses. I would, if I had the money, I'd have two at least, wouldn't you? No, that seems like it's a useless <laughs> endeavor and wasteful. I would uh, I would have one house in a city. Now, I might have 10 houses in different cities. Different cities. Okay. You know, well, I'm sure Drake has, I mean, Drake's got a place in Can't. We know he has a place in Toronto as well. I mean, like he's no, got I'm multiple sure he's houses. he's got houses all over the place. But I'm just my, – my issue that I can't get past is three in one city. I feel <laughs> like you could just, I don't know, have one in that city. And then if you want to change the weather, if it's – if you don't like what's happening in L.A., I don't know why you would. But yeah. you could go to a cold way. You could go experience seasons. You could go see snow. You could go to your other houses. I, I can't get past three in one city. If you said over, under, two and a half houses for Drake in L.A., I really would have lost that bet. <laughs> All right. This one is one of the darkest prop bets I've ever seen. Honestly, just bear with me here. Will a player leave the game and not return due to concussion? Yes is plus 120. No is minus 150. Like, it just feels wrong to bet on this. You're betting whether or not you think a guy is going to get knocked out and suffer a brain injury. That's insane that, that anybody is offering that. <laughs> like, I like, couldn't in good faith bet on that for fear that I would win that bet. The only way I could bet on that is if I said no, and then I would be okay winning the bet. But if you bet yes and you accept those winnings, that's tough, man. That's yeah, you almost have I mean, to donate that money to like a CTE cause or something. Right. You know? It's messed up. Like, yeah, you're going to go brag to your friends. Yeah, man, I won 500 bucks because that guy got carted off on a stretcher or something. Like, what? Like, that's just messed up. You can't, you can't be that's doing terrible. that. Uh, that's this almost one is... as weird as having three houses in one city. <laughs> All right. This one, th- this one is actually, I-, I think, a really cool one. So will any scoring drive take less time than it takes to sing the national anthem? So let me lay it out. Yes is minus 240. So a lot of heavy juice, heavy, heavy juice. No is plus 175. Now, Mickey Guyton is singing the anthem. The over-under on the anthem is a minute and 37 seconds. There's YouTube videos of her. She's a pretty fast-paced, quick singer when it comes to the anthem. Um, now, it's not as short as Demi Lovato, who a couple years ago was 
20 seconds uh, longer or 20 seconds shorter than that odd, as a matter of fact. The Rams scored a touchdown against the Bucks on a 70-yarder from Cooper Cup. The whole drive took one minute and 15 seconds. We know a pick six could end this pretty pretty much as well. So, yes, is the heavy favorite. Yeah, I think that's uh, easy. No for me. I mean, oh, now, I'm okay. not – yeah, I'm not saying, by the way, that it can't happen, but I would say I would bet it against it. I would say more you better hope there's not. not a You better hope there's not a quick pick six on a drive or a fumble for a touchdown. That's where you really get screwed on this, right? I Early think in Matthew the drive, Stafford's like... got all of his pick six out of his system. He had four <laughs> this year, which led the NFL, by the way. Um, I, I'm surprised that yes is minus yeah, on it's that. Minus 242, not just a yeah. little bit. Minus 240. It's not, That's hey, pretty crazy. I like no. Then, Give me, and I'm getting good value there. So let's go. Uh, and then will a non-quarterback throw a touchdown pass? Plus six fifty, no minus fourteen hundred. Jamar Chase, Odo Beckham Jr. Little little touchdown pass. So this would be the L.A. or the Cincy special. Doug Peterson That's right. That's eating right. his buffalo wing, celebrating his new gig in Jacksonville, watching the game. Like Jamar uh, Chase throws it to Joe Burrow. Yeah. I'm all for getting nice odds on something. I I can never bet on things that are like once in a you know month in the NFL thing. So I'm gonna say no. Okay, last one, and then I want to get your food thoughts real quick. What color is the Gatorade? It's the classic one here that's dumped on the head coach. The favorite for this one is red at plus one fifty. Okay, blue plus. I feel like is is pretty prevalent normally, and if memory serves. Blue was what got dumped on uh, Bruce Arians. So there's a trend there, right? Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. I like I like the clear. The clear slash water at plus 300. See, water is always a safe bet. It's L.A., go- you know? It's L.A. They're healthier. You know, it's all water out there. That's true. I'm going to go a little bit off the grid, though. I'm going to go okay. blue. I'm going to get my plus 700. Is that 750 or 700? Plus 750. I like that. Give me the... I don't know why. I'm just, you know, you, you got the blue Rams. You got the blue Gatorade. I think it all looks good. All right. We're running out of time. Real quick. What's the spread? Because I've got I got three pounds of brisket. I got some wings. What What do you got? We're going meatballs in the crock pot, as you know. Of course. We're going ribs and uh, all nice. kinds of chips and dip and snacks and finger foods. But it's mostly grilled and cooked meats at my disposal. Uh, but you got to have meatballs at the Super Bowl spread, people. Make sure you do it. Rams minus four is my favorite play for the weekend. Grant, what's your favorite one? I think I like the under for the game, and I love Mixon's over and receiving yards as far as player props goes. Happy Super Bowl Sunday to everybody. Grant, it's been fun here. Thanks to everybody behind the scenes as well throughout the entire year here on Sunday Spread. That's going to do it for us here on BetQL. We'll be on still, of course, countdown to kickoff. Uh, You'll see Grant Paulson there. I got a new show next week with Gabe Ramirez as well. Chalk Talk. On BetQL. Sunday, get all your wagertainment with the You Better You Bet countdown to kick off from 10 a.m. to noon Eastern. Available on BetQL and the Odyssey app and streaming live on Twitch.tv.